Officers, and welcome to the live stream today. My name is PD, and I'm so honored to be with you. And today I am excited because we're going to talk about something that is perhaps one of the most important things there is to talk about. And that is, in essence, what is your life going to be? God has given, has breathed life into you. You're now in this world. And what are you to do with it? What is your kingdom calling? How do you figure it out? What, how do you figure out where to go? And when you figured it out, how do you pursue that calling responsibly? I think that this is something that urgently needs to be talked about in the body, because I believe God is raising a generation of believers who are going to be so on fire after his kingdom, putting off their own kingdoms for his, putting off the world for his kingdom to come. Uh, but for that to happen, he, he's, he's calling people, but they're going to have to heed that call. And I want to submit to you that even as you're watching this, I believe that the Father is calling you today to something great. But the question is, is will you heed that call? What will you do with that call that is before you? This world is full of temptations, full of distractions. And, and the enemy, our enemy, Satan, his biggest threat is for you to actually fulfill what God has called you to and for you to run the race to the end. And this is an endurance race. This is a race that is we need to run persistently and responsibly in, never wavering, never giving up and never taking our eyes off the prize and the prize it's not it's not a kingdom in this world. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not a career. It's none of that. It is Yeshua, the Messiah. And so today I'm honored to be joined by my brother, John Diffenderfer. John is a pastor at Mercy Collective in Nashville. I have had the honor of uh, being there with them recently as well. And I hope to go there again. It's a beautiful congregation and I love his their heart and his heart for family, for um, a marriage, for for coming to to confront this culture that we are facing today to pr bring the truth of our God. So, yeah, John, thank you so much for joining me. I'm such an honor. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, I've been watching this show for a long time, and it's it's great to be here. Um, really, just love the message and the, the hope that this puts out. In Awesome, brother. Thank you. So, uh, I think that it's good. It would be good for us to just kind of get started with the uh, the idea of okay. You know, I imagine there's many people who are going to be listening to this, and their first question is, "Well, I I I know I have a calling. I know God wants me to do something. I don't know what that is." Uh, and I don't even know where to get started with figuring that out now, like as a pastor, uh, you know, I'm sure that this is something that you, you face. Uh, what would you tell someone in that position that's coming to you with that kind of question? I mean, I think it hits on different levels for different people, obviously. Um, first and foremost, I think one of the, the places of analysis that people need to go to the father in prayer about is to really diagnose and discern what their calling is. Obviously, everyone has a calling. We're called to be a kingdom of priests, which means everyone has something to do to either serve the Father or to serve others, and probably both of those things. But I think oftentimes in our American, modern, materialistic ways, you know, we have a very ambitious culture. 
Um, and oftentimes it's hard for people to discern between what the father is telling them, what the father is actually saying and what their own projections for their own hopes and aspirations might be. Mm. Um, and so I would suggest to anyone who is considering ministry, who's considering, uh, you know, taking on something on behalf of the Lord, um, that's outside just the scope of the general walk of a believer. There's certain things that we're all supposed to do. We're all supposed to be in fellowship. We're all supposed to be praying and prophesying and, and doing different things. But beyond that, if there's something specific that people feel like is a calling on their lives, um, I think it's really imperative that they pause for a moment and try to fully understand to the extent that they can what it is that God has actually called them to do. And I think mm. it's it's a it's a difficult thing and it, it changes with time. Um, but learning to identify and understand the voice of God and his message for you versus the thoughts that are in your own head is such an important part of spiritual maturity. And unfortunately, it's something that I think in this world is becoming increasingly rare. Um, Amen. You hear a lot of people um, with their own ideas about what they think God's called them to. And at times that's great. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's, it's uh, simple to see that that's more just their own ambition. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's, you know, and this is really important. I, I love that you, you're starting out with this because a lot of times the question is, uh, um, what should I do in life, right? And what will I become in life? And it's really a very self-centered type of what am I going to do, right? And but the interesting thing is that when Yeshua speaks to us, right, and he speaks to his disciples, he, he talks to them about what they are to become. And he always talks about them becoming servants and how the servants are the one who will be exalted. Right. And and so in the same way, if uh, I actually think that our calling, uh, if we want to talk about like universally, our callings are to be servants. And if we are all called to be servants, the really the big question is, is, I mean, for us to figure out what our calling or in the kingdom is, is what kind of a need will I be able to passionately meet through serving? Like in terms of my talents, in terms of my uh, what I can bring to the table that God, what God has gifted me with, how can I serve the kingdom and people based in that way instead of how can I become a great leader? How can I become uh, a great businessman? How can I become a great this or that? It's rather, how can I serve God's kingdom through these whatever avenue that we as individuals have? And it's, it's like you said, right? We, we ha we're, all, we're all called to operate in universally in the kingdom to do the things that the disciples did, you know, um, um, pray for others, serve others, bring deliverance through Yeshua to others, walk in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All of these things, but then the question is now, what do? How do I do it in my life personally? Because that's going to look radically different. I mean, imagine one guy; he's a he's a he's a pastor, someone like yourself, right, John? And then you have someone else who's a mom raising her five kids, right? It's totally different how it looks those individuals, mm -hmm. but they still have the same universal calling. Um, so. What would you say to someone now who's like, okay, um, I understand that, um, but what is what, what is the what after seeking the Lord on it? What are they to do then? Is it kind of a 
then we wait, then is there something they need to do while waiting? Yeah, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I don't know that there's always an exact formula. I mean, we would love mm. to have those, you know, burning bush moments <laughs> where God just appears before us, tells us exactly what to do, who we're going to do it with, and what the end game is. Right. And that's great. But I think more often what happens in life is what you see like in the journey of Abraham, where God just says, okay, now go here. And then right. once he goes there, he says, all right, now do this. Now go here. Now go here. And over the course of an entire lifetime, you look back and you really see the purpose and the, the plan of it all. Um, but that still leaves you in the immediate moment. And I think for me, um, one of the things that I've really tried to hone in on, and it's been really helpful to me in our ministry and uh, the stuff that my wife and I are doing, is understanding what you're zealous for. Um, and, and the word zeal is so you know, especially in Christian culture. It's something that we hear all the time. We understand it as being this like overwhelming love and passion. Um, but what is what is zeal and what are you zealous for? And I think if you can hone in on what actually makes you tick and why God made you the way he made you with the experiences that you have, it's going to give you a lot closer uh, perspective on at least where you should be and, and what opportunities you should look for and press into. And one thing about that word zeal is it's in English, but also in a lot of other languages, especially the ancient languages of the Bible. Um, it was actually a, a, a term that's what in English we would call an onomatopoeia, which is a word that sounds like the sound that it makes. And it actually comes from the idea of a pot boiling over. Um, and so the word zeal is supposed to be uh, like the sound of something burning or boiling over or sizzling, if you will. And I think that's something you see in the life of so many of the heroes of the faith and in the Bible mm. is that the thing that caused them to boil over was generally tied directly to their calling. And so you see it like with Moses. He's a great first example. I mean, it was the first real conflict he had that we're aware of where he had agency and was an, an adult is when he sees an Israelite being abused by an Egyptian. And so he rises up and he has this moment of zeal. In his case, it was, you know, maybe not executed the way it should have been. Uh, but he had a zeal for the injustice that his people were facing and the, the suffering of other people. And you see that throughout his entire ministry with the Israelites, all of his leadership, um, all of his key moments, even with Yahweh, um, were always centered on the suffering of the people. And the same thing you see with Paul um, for a New Testament example. You know, the thing that first introduced us to Paul in the book of Acts is the stoning of Stephen. And then we know shortly thereafter, uh, Paul's traveling the known world at the time, and he's hunting down what he thought were heretics. And that was the thing that, that made him tick. It was the thing that actually irritated him, was this idea of heresy among the people of God. Turns out that he was the heretic, uh, that he was the one who had some learning to do. Uh, and Yeshua intervened and flipped the script on him. But still, that's that's something you see even throughout all of his letters that he writes that are in the, the Bible. Um, everything we know about Paul, the one thing that underscores his temperament, his personality, and his calling is that he was constantly addressing and fighting against heresy for the preservation of God's people. And so in both these cases, often, and I think oftentimes in our own lives, um, the thing that actually frustrates you the most might actually be indicative of where the zeal in your heart is. 
And that can actually be a passion um, that you can cultivate and you might need to redirect it to something more productive. I like than that. Just being angry. I um, can definitely connect with that, that I will you, say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that thing that makes you tick. It's that thing that God has put in you. Um, so everyone should just ask themselves what fresh, what really frustrates them. Is that what you're saying? I think it's, it's <laughs> sort of, yes. I mean, it's actually some advice I've given people before when they've had these questions is if you don't know what really makes you happy and fulfilled and gives you that positive feeling that you want from operating in a calling of the Lord, maybe ask yourself what, re what really frustrates you? What's the injustice that you can't stand in this world? And then see how you can bring that healing, hope, and restoration through, you know, the will and the spirit of God. Yeah, there's something you said. You know, you mentioned Moses, and um, you know, something I think a lot of people don't think about with his story is how you know God obviously comes to him first and and basically reveals to him this identity that he is a uh, basically an Israelite. He's not an Egyptian like he was raised to think, right? And now mm -hmm. he commits this murder. He's basically exiled right he leaves egypt the people reject him both israel and the egyptians he's in trouble with the people and now he's in this other place and he's there for 40 years like people don't think we don't when we read our bibles we don't think about that but it was a 40 year um uh, time gap there where i mean imagine being moses the last thing you ever did was murder someone like like that's the greatest thing you've basically done in life well done and now yet God comes to him, right? God draws him one day out of out of nowhere, it seems, and comes and gives him this incredible burning bush moment, right? This this moment that is like the one that we all look to, that we all say, Wow, if I could only have a burning bush moment, then you know I'll have everything I need to know where I should go and what I should do. But I actually think that um if we look at what happened to Moses in that at that burning bush moment, it's indicative of I think what would happen to a lot of us is God comes and He says, uh, Moses, I want you to go and to those people that have rejected you, that you have wronged, that you're in trouble with, and you need to now and go and proclaim my message to them. Okay, that first of all, that sounds absurd. How is that going to work? And He say, He brings that up to God, right? And then uh, because. But then obviously, so there's this real, real thing of I am not qualified. I am not. And he even says, I'm not a good speaker. Right. And God says, regardless, I want you to go because I will empower you. And so I think for a lot of us, the, what we need to confront is the reality that even if this is going to be something that's like we, we're talking now, right, maybe something that has that really stirs us up, gives us passion, it gives us fire this, to go after. That thing is oftentimes going to be the thing that we're most afraid of in our in our carnal nature to do because we feel ill-equipped. We feel we lack self-confidence. Uh, but the question really is going to be, are we going to believe that God can do the impossible through us? I mean, have you experienced that in your life? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's one of the wonderful aspects of the sovereignty of God and the, the power of the gospel is that oftentimes what I think, and you see this in a, a lot of the lives of ministers and ministries, is that God actually has this unnerving ability <laughs> to take you back to the source of your shame and your trauma and your pain the place where you failed in the past 
in Moses's case. I mean, even with Paul, I mean, he, he, him returning back to the Christian community, the believing community, was a huge source of shame for him, especially mm -hmm. early on in his ministry before he had established himself as anything other than their enemy. Um, but Yahweh has this ability to come into our lives and intersect our lives, and then he takes us back oftentimes to those very places where we failed. And you see this in the life of addictions counselors, of people who have overcome trauma and are preaching against it. Um, certainly anybody who speaks and preaches the gospel, um, that's their life story, is how they once were dead and dying and had no hope, and then they found it. But in all these circumstances, the thing that always seems to unite so many of the stories of the heroes of the Bible and, and even the people we know in our present age who are really operating well in their calling is that to a certain extent they have returned back. And in the, in the return back to where they came from, they now are able to address some of those same structures, systems, spiritual oppression, all of those things, but they have the solution and they're able to redefine those experiences. So instead of Moses's last experience being his murder of an Egyptian, his last experience is actually participating in the deliverance of God's people and bringing life to them. Um, and so I, th I think it, whatever people are dealing with as they are, you know, navigating through their lives, don't be afraid to go back. Don't be afraid to go back to the places, the circumstances, the things that you may have come out of and praise God, hopefully you've healed and are strong now in those things so that when you return, it's not in weakness. Um, but don't be afraid to speak testimony and to share your experiences because that's exactly what God has orchestrated in your life. Um, all, I, believe, I believe firmly that our entire lives are orchestrated by the Father for the purposes of his kingdom. And that includes the parts that may have caused us pain, uh, the history we might be ashamed of, and other things. But in that is, that's where our testimony is the strongest. Oh, that's good, man. I love that example. Uh, I think it's something that everyone has to keep in mind is that, you know, we've all made big mistakes in our pasts, but don't ever let the enemy tell you that that is going to keep you from being used by God. I mean, the, the Bible has no lack of examples of mm -hmm. this. In fact, it's hard to probably find an example of someone who's like just had it all figured out from the beginning uh, through with the yeah. disciples, with 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 everyone. There are these these big mistakes that they made, but God comes and demonstrates, well, I can use you. In fact, I mean, Paul, who's, you know, was so mildly used. I mean, just think about that. It's like he's the last guy that any human leader would have picked to lead this this new revival movement, right? That happened in the first century there. But yet that's who God picked and God picked well. Uh, and so maybe even though you have made many mistakes in your past, um, brother or sister, you are listening, maybe God is even looking upon your life and saying, well, I pick you. And so don't let that stop you and think that because that's actually I want to submit unbelief in God's power. If you say God can't use me because of what I've done in the past, you're saying God is not powerful. God cannot do this miracle. And you're 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 basically telling God what Moses told God. And it didn't it, it angered the Lord because because God is, is, is wanting to demonstrate like I made you, if I made you, and he, he tells, tells us to Moses, have I not made the blind, the deaf, right? 
Uh, can I not make them whole? In other words, if I made you, if you're my creation, can I not do with you whatever I like? If I want to use you mightily, can I not do so? And so I want to submit to you that you are valuable and God wants to use you because he has died for you. He has he has dictated there is value on your life. There is something worth dying for here. And so we shouldn't come into this place of lacking self-confidence and then also our unbelief limiting God from from using us. Um, I think um, I think what we can also talk about, John, is um, for someone who is who's got some idea, you know, and, or and, and let me maybe just say this before we go there. Actually, one last thing I want to say is 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 I just want to hit one more time on how Moses was was his calling took such a long time to play out. And I think there's a lot of people here who may have been like, well, I've been praying to God. I've been asking God um, and I don't know what's going on, but I, I don't know about you, John, you can tell me, but in my life, like I didn't, I, I pursued the Lord. I sought his kingdom throughout my life, at least a reasonable part of it. And I saw him show and guide me, but I most certainly did not have the full picture of where I was heading in the beginning. And I still don't, but yet I can still see God's leading of me. And I think that a lot of people are impatient, right? They're like, I need to get this now. I want to, I want the full picture, but that's may not be in our best interest actually. And it may be better for God to slowly reveal to us what he wants us to do step by step. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. I think he gives us our marching orders, if you will, in accordance with our faith and our spiritual maturity. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think about often, and I think obviously you address it here um, and other ministries do as well, but why don't we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit that you see in the second chapter of Acts, you know, on that scale and at that volume and that frequency? Um, but I, you have to question yourself. So if God is, Scripture says he doesn't withhold any good thing from his children. And so if something is being withheld for us, then obviously to a certain extent that in whatever condition, then he's doing it for our good. And I wonder too, oftentimes in ministry, if, if the, the callings that we perceive and the desires that we have, even the godly ones, you know, to have the power of the Holy spirit to, mm. you know, heal the sick and raise the dead. And, you know, that level of faith that would come along with that. The thing I don't know that we are yet, I don't know, mature might be the right word, if our faith is strong enough. I don't know of any ministry, um, with very few exceptions, I don't know of any large church, I don't know of any international organization, that if they had that power, it wouldn't destroy them almost instantly. Right. <laughs> and even for ourselves in our church, like, I, you know, you think about it, if that happened and it was sincere and it was documented and it was real, how quickly in our American culture, would we turn that into a multi-million dollar marketing <laughs> event with, you know, all the celebrities would be there. We would turn this into such a huge uh, play for our own fame and for our own fortune. And I, th I think oftentimes in life, uh, when we are dealing with these things, we're trying to figure out, especially the good things in life, what are, like, why is it that I don't yet have this? Or why is it that if I'm called to this, that I, I haven't achieved it yet? Or that the path hasn't been made clear yet? And I think oftentimes the hesitation, if any, that the father might be having 
it's not him. He's not the problem, of course. The problem's within us. And so if, if we do not yet have, you know, the fulfillment of the calling that we think is placed upon our lives, we have to look inward and not blame our circumstances. Don't blame the church you're in. Don't blame the ministries around you or the people who are competing against you. Just look inward. Um, and I think within that, you, you, you can find that there's always room for improvement. There's always growth and healing. But I think ultimately what it comes to, and to your point, Petey, is I think if God told us everything, if he gave us a crystal clear vision of every single aspect of what the fullness of the calling that's placed upon us would be, it would probably terrify us <laughs> and it would probably <laughs> destroy many of us. Um, that's such a good point because of the awesome power and the glory that would come with it you know on a human level or because maybe your calling is actually to clean toilets for the saints <laughs> you know maybe your calling is actually to raise children maybe your calling is not necessarily even for your children but so that your great-grandchildren will have a testimony from you maybe your calling is something that in your life based on your own immaturity you may not value it but might not be something yeah it might not be something you're ready to hear uh and and yeah. i can i can even look it back in my life like there's i'm i'm glad that the father didn't uh, years ago you know even when i started having an idea of where he was taking me in my life i'm glad that he didn't show the full scope of that yet because it, it probably would have terrified me to the point where i would have been paralyzed of actually pursuing the road i was on uh, and so, you know, I think that uh, there is this, there there has to be this trust that we have in him of, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going. It says actually in the, the text, right, the scriptures, it says that uh, the man who's led by the spirit is like, he's going there, he's going there. It's like the wind takes him here, the wind takes him there. And and I can certainly feel, I've, I've felt that way. Like, I don't know what's happening tomorrow or next year because there's been radical changes in my life before that the Holy Spirit has done, but it's open for his good. But we have to be willing to be open to to that leading. So how do we if we're now? It, I think we're already kind of touching on this, but now in this pursuit of this calling, you know, to pursue that calling responsibly, um, I think that there's a lot of people who when they start I mean, God definitely comes and brings confirmations like we've discussed. But now when he starts doing that to us and starts showing us where we're heading, like Moses was shown, or, you know, if he starts showing us just based off um, doors he's opening and so forth, maybe words of knowledge he's speaking to us through other believers, which, by the way, is a wonderful reason to be in a fellowship is, is you, have a, you have a leadership and you have fellow believers who can speak into your life and direct you and confirm for you where you think God may be taking you. But oftentimes I think, uh, John, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I think there's a lot of people in this, in that situation who there's kind of two sides they're battling and that's either to, to the, the temptation to do more in that moment in time than what God is calling them to, or on the other end, I think to, to be doing less than what God is calling them to. What do you think about that? No, I think that's that's the key. I mean, when we are good, you know, in, in our lives, when things are as they should be, as they were created to be, it's when we are exactly as we should be. 
um, not, I'm not interested in being your true self or whatever sort of, you know, woke anthems are popular these days. So it's not who you want to be. It's who you should be. And when we are as we should be, then we're good. Um, should be something that we seek at every moment in our life. So when you are as you should be in grief, when you are as you should be in joy, when you are as you should be in poverty, when you are as you should be in prosperity, whatever circumstances you're facing in life, when you are as you should be, that's when you're good. And I think that's really when you are able to operate in your calling, is when you take exactly what the Father needs from you in that moment and you do just that. Um, I think so often in our lives, we, we elevate certain ministries and certain uh, ministers, and we think that, that that's the only way to really be fully used by God. And we base it off of you know financial performance or the number of followers they have or the, the quantity of size of their church or whatever. Um, but that's not how the Father views it. And you, you talk to people a lot of times, uh, especially when they are addressing their calling, and that tendency, like you were talking about, Petey, to either add to or take away from what the calling that the Father has put on their heart is, is almost universally there to a certain extent. Um, I think a lot of people are aware of their propensity for that, and they try to ward off against it, but it's kind of our human nature um, to be ambitious or to be materialistic or to embrace other things. But I think it's really important for us that for our ministries and for the service that we provide to the Lord, just as it was in the priesthood in ancient Israel, every priest had a specific job to do. And if they did anything more or anything less, then there was risk involved. Mm. And there was idolatry that was posed. And there, there was all sorts of threats to God's people because the priesthood was either doing more or less than what they should do. And in our lives, I think that that's, that's really why, to my earlier point, when we were starting this conversation, it's really important that we distinguish between what God is telling you to do now, what you should do today, what you should prepare for today for the future, and what your own ambition is. Because if you do more or less, there's risk on either side. Um, and you see this in a lot of examples. And I know, PD, you obviously uh, have experienced this and uh, see it in other ministries and other things from time to time, um, where it's easy for people to get either ambitious or apathetic, I guess would be the opposite, um, to where they either become complacent or they become so loftily um, excited <laughs> yeah. uh, about what they think is going to happen through them that they, they can a lot of times fall off on one side of the ditch or the other. Uh, Joseph comes to mind, right? And I mean, and I think a lot of times this error, it's not, it's God did give a, oftentimes, like he gives us a calling. He may even reveal it like legitly to us. He may give us a dream, like Joseph gets this dream about his brothers bowing down to him. And it's like, this is going to happen one day. And it's true. It will happen one day. But what does he do? He, he does, he's tempted to take it and do something with it that God didn't tell him to do. Right. And he, and he starts telling his brothers, you guys are going to bow down to me. Right. And it's like, wow, that lofty elevation of himself now may have actually played, I, you know, I don't know, but it may have actually played a role in why he had to be brought down so low before he could finally be taken up so high 
been taken into prison, and then to go and be basically at the level of a king, right? Similarly, at least. And then his brothers bow down. So it shows us that we need to be careful to not be tempted by this revelation that God may give us, uh, as Joseph was, but rather be humble about it, be quiet about it, wait for the time, wait for the place, wait till God says now. Like if he told you, hey, you're going to become a preacher, then it's not like, okay, well, let me find a stage. Let's go to the like every church in my city and I'm going to tell the pastor I'm, the, I'm going to be a preacher and I need to preach on your stage because God called me to be a preacher. You know, uh, John, I don't know if you've yeah, experienced that, but <laughs> you get that a lot. Um, having a church, um, we do get a lot of people and generally I think people come with very sincere hearts and they want to do the right thing. Uh, and perhaps like, I I can't tell you what God has told you, you know, that you have to work that out on your own, but people will come up and they'll say things like, you know, God has given me the gift of teaching and I'm here to be a teacher. And to which, you know, this is somebody I just met a couple weeks ago or whatever, you know, haven't been walking with for a long time. I don't know what they believe. They don't know what I believe. And they're expecting the response to be like, great, here's a, here's a podium and a platform and a service time and a, and a congregation for you to teach to. Um, that's generally not how we do things in our congregation. So oftentimes, you know, what I try to ask instead is like, okay, so if, if that is your calling, if, if God has told you to teach or to be a worship leader or to be an evangelist or whatever ministry you feel called to, what are you doing about it? And what you oftentimes find is that that is not being lived out because people, I think, and hopefully this is just an American phenomenon. Uh, I hope this isn't I don't think uh, so. worldwide, but uh, <laughs> you know, if, if there is evil, I hope it's just contained to us. Um, but you've got this, this situation where people will say like, I feel called to be a worship leader. And so they'll go knocking on the door of every mega church in town. Um, asking and almost demanding or spiritually manipulating to try to get stage time or whatever but the question is if god called you if he just gave you that sentence to be a worship leader then who are you leading worship for and if and if you're not why not like maybe he called you to be an evangelist and that doesn't mean that you have to go book a football stadium (laughs) maybe it means you just go to the park and talk to two people today and then you do it again tomorrow and you do it again the next day Mm. that is fully operating in your calling perhaps but to assume that everybody who has a gift of teaching is going to be pastoring a mega church, to assume that everybody who's called to be a pastor is going to have a flock of thousands, to assume that every evangelist is going to have the ear of millions is, first of all, um, never been borne out in society. Even the apostles didn't have that sort of uh, egalitarian dispersion of gifts and ministries. Um, but it's just it's just not the case. Um And so what I would encourage anybody who is looking into ministry, if God has called you to be a worship leader, then ask yourself, where are you currently leading worship? And maybe it's just in your living room. Maybe it's just you and your neighbor. Maybe you're taking a guitar to a park or whatever. But start there. And then if the Father is able to use you in greater purposes or maybe even smaller audiences, you'll be prepared and equipped and have the experience to do it. But just to assume that, you know, this is kind of gets back to my earlier point in our own ambition to assume that because God has called you to teach, that that means that now someone is going to gift you a church of a thousand members or a YouTube channel with a billion subscribers or whatever. 
that's not necessarily the case. Maybe he wants you to teach and maybe he does want you to make the YouTube video and maybe he does want you to pass letters out to your neighbors or whatever. And maybe if only two people read them or watch it, maybe that's exactly the two people that God had you do that task for. And if you do that, and that's what God's intent was, then you've absolutely fulfilled your calling in that capacity. Um, but oh, I think yeah. it's easy for us in our world, we get discouraged. You know, we look at the numbers, we look at the stats, we try to, right. we compare ourselves to others. That's what I want um, to say. It's, it's all and, about and it's, comparison. Yeah. And, and it's never, that is never a fruitful exercise <laughs> to compare yourself to other people. Because what we're really doing is you're looking at someone's who's who may have been even re been reaching the height of their calling, you know, they are and they have, and if they are to some extent, yeah. they are they have been in a process that has been long, tedious, full of maybe even heartbreak, and so forth, uh, a, a process like Moses had, or any of the examples that, that we see in Scripture. And so you see Moses leading Israel. It's kind of like Korah, right? He, it's a good example to think of as Moses is yeah. leading Israel, right, through the wilderness. And here comes Korah, ignorant, likely, of Moses's purification process and his process of relationship with God and so forth. And everything God's been teaching him to get to that point. Moses was like 80 years old at the point where he started, like, actually leading Israel to some extent. So... Korah comes along and he's like, well, I can do this. We can all do this. Who's Moses? Mm -hmm. You know, no, God has been keeping us on Moses his whole life and preparing him for a moment like this. And so, yeah, you, anyone can be called and we're all called to something. But we need to be careful of this game of comparison where we then uh, start thinking that we need to elevate ourselves to that level. Well, you know, I, you know, my brother, if I just think back on my life, I... Uh, I did in my early, like when I started getting just passionate about the Lord and loving him and, and so on. I, I mean, I, I didn't have anyone around me who was on board with me, but I just went like into my local, onto my local streets. And I just started telling people about Jesus, like, and I just started praying for people. And, and, you know, I, but, you know, if I went and I said, okay, no, I'm going to become an evangelist. I need to go and book a stadium. It's like, okay, maybe one day, but. But that's not what he told me to do. So yeah. I'm going to just be an evangel. I'm going to do evangelism in my local community. Um, or, you know, if you're going to teach, well, I'll, I'll just start a little Bible study with a few of my friends and, and whatever, you know, and so forth. So whatever it is, uh, I think that's such good advice, brother, that uh, humble beginnings, small beginnings. God, I think, values that because you're showing that you and, and, and here's the big question, I think, for everyone who's listening is, would you be satisfied, you know? And I always, I, I'll honestly say, I ask myself this a lot. Um, would you be satisfied if, if what you have now, like, let's just say you start a little Bible study and, and that's, that's the extent of what God has called you. Or you, you go into your streets and you pray for people and no one ever sees that. You never get uh, recognition or whatever. Would you be satisfied with that? If that is what God has for you, would you be completely yeah. satisfied? Because if not, then you're not in it for God's kingdom. You're in it for your own. If you're actually not going to be satisfied with little compared to others, little quote unquote, because this is our perception, um, 
then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Because the best thing that you can do is do what God wants you to do. That's when you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I have given you this and you were faithful with this. But if you go and you you overextend yourself to places where God didn't tell you to go, or you, and this is the other thing I think we need to touch on is, or because of a fear, perhaps, or unbelief or whatever it is, you, um, you, you limited God. You didn't go there because if you're, you're afraid of that calling, you know, whatever it is, we need to be mindful, I think, of that. Yeah, I, th- I think on both sides of the equation, it's pride versus fear. And, yeah. you know, the, the place to be is in the middle where there's love, uh, love for the father and the willingness just to do whatever it is he's put in for you to do. And I think there are times in scripture, like obviously the example you just gave of Joseph, of people who have uh, a prophesied destiny in a future that's far reaching from where they are today. But I think most of the time what you see in scripture and even what you read about in the life of the apostles is God usually is focused and usually what we're told is the instructions that we're supposed to have for this day. You know, we're supposed to even pray to give us this day our daily bread. (laughs) We as humans, we struggle so hard with that. We want next year's bread and 40 years from now bread's <laughs> bread and retirement's bread and everything else today. Uh, and that's not generally how the kingdom of God works. Instead, what he does, especially on an individual level, is he gives you personal instructions at the time when you need them. And so I would say that if you have those instructions, if anybody's watching this, if God has given you something to do, whether it's a homeless ministry or just being a great husband or a wonderful parent or father, mother, whatever your situation in life is, let alone any of these sort of you know ministries that we might put a label on. Um, if that is the case, if you know what your ministry is, if you're called to be uh, you know an instrument of prayer for the, in the lives of others and intercession, if you're called to lay hands on the sick, do it. You may not have the forum you want. You probably won't have the the audience you want. You probably won't have everything that you think you need or everything you're using as an excuse to currently. But if God's given you a command for this day, walk in obedience to that command today. And if you do that, then there might be a new command for tomorrow and it might be more or less than what you did today. But that's fine. And and the, the journey of faith that we all walk through is going through the highs and the lows and seeking, and to your point, PD, being fully satisfied with God at every stage. Um, I think one of the great tragedies you see in a lot of ministries is, and not just ministries, but also just on a personal level, is because we're all ministers. Yes. Um, it's people that have those ambitions or those fears and either way are paralyzed by them. And then they get to the end and the destination when they have arrived in their later years of life um, isn't what they thought it would be. Either they don't have the, the track record, the resume, the experience, the album sales, the book sales, whatever it is um, that they thought that they would have if they did those steps along the way. And oftentimes either the fear or the disappointment that paralyzed them is the source of their undoing. And you see this in the life of a lot of the, you know, a lot of the big ministries, the ones that are in the headlines when they collapse. I think you can usually trace it back somewhere in their history to either a failure due to fear or a failure due to, I guess, ambition or pride. 
Um, and my hope and prayer is that that would never be the case uh, for anyone because it's an awful experience, but, but it's something that we need to be mindful of our propensity for both and just walk exactly in what we should be doing today and do it relentlessly to the, to the letter of the law that you've been called, <laughs> you know, do it exactly what God has told you to do. And don't worry if it's about doing more or less, just stay within the parameters of your calling. Amen. I love that. You know, and I think one thing I'll just add to that is none of what we are talking about here today will mean anything if your relationship with God is not solid. If you are not spending time with him in the secret place, you will you will struggle to be guided. You will struggle to figure out what he wants you to do, whether it's to and, and I'm just even talking about today, like if you don't have an ongoing daily communion with him, how will you know what he wants you to do today? And so I think for many of us, maybe it's even as simple as a a the fact that your relationship with God is struggling. And, and, and John, just to go back to, you know, what you just mentioned, you know, we hear about these ministries who are been so successful and so big and then they have these this big collapse because of whatever reason and and I think ultimately even that goes back oftentimes to this very thing of something came in and they they had their eyes taken off Yeshua and their relationship with Yeshua started suffering and so then all of the temptations of the enemy is going to come in because the enemy is here like the enemy wants to come and, and steal your calling he wants to get you distracted he wants you to get you, you paralyzed in fear. He wants you to get your eyes set on other things that that can be cloaked in. Well, yeah, this is ministry or yeah, this is for God. Yeah, this like um, Ananias and Sapphira gave all this money to the uh, the apostles ministry, but they did it for themselves. Right. But this is for God, they may say. No, they did it for themselves. That's why they held back some. And so ultimately, all of this is wide open to the father. And we need to be very careful that we make sure that uh, that we don't have ulterior motives and not just in, in figuring out your calling, but every day in walking it out because the enemy is continuously kind of going to try and tempt us away um, to these other things of the world. Um, so, yeah, I, brothers, sisters, I, I hope this is blessing you. You know, I, I'm just I just look through the, the comments and I, I just saw um, some people are saying very blessed. Ingrid says, thank you, uh, Yeshua, for many confirmations. If anyone else, uh, wrong button, <laughs> if anyone else didn't need to hear this, I know I absolutely did need to hear this. Hallelujah. Thank you, brothers, uh, brothers, for sharing this discussion with us. And so, yeah, we praise God. We're so glad that this is blessing you. Uh, John said we all, John um, Pingit, I hope I'm saying it right, says we all need to be refined by Yah and refined and refined again and again to be made pure to do whatever it is God wants us to do. It's an ongoing process. Amen. Uh, Beauty of the ashes, out of the ashes, says I was just going to ask about praying and then it was answered. More confirmation in this season I'm in. All right, guys. So, hey, I hope this is blessing you. If you have any questions uh, before we end tonight, I'm, I'll we'll, we'll answer any questions in the chat, so please uh, ask away. I'm going to keep my eye on, the, on that. Um, but uh, John, do you have any any last thoughts that you'd like to add on this topic for anyone who is listening? Just that we need to be careful 
especially in our own lives, like let other people worry about themselves. Focus first on yourself. Um, we need to be careful uh, as we are approaching ministry and trying to do things for the Father and for others um, that we aren't adding to or taking away from what's been placed before us. You know, for a puzzle to work, every piece has to be exactly shaped. Every piece has to be put in its exact position or the whole thing doesn't work. And it's the same thing you see in, in, in the tabernacle and the temple and the priesthood, uh, which was established by Yahweh himself. It's that everybody had a role to play. And unfortunately, I think in, in our world today, we only idolize, which is probably uh, the problem, but we idolize those ministries and those ministry functions that we think are somehow more spiritual or more glamorous or sophisticated or successful than others. And I think that's a place that we need to be really cautious, that we don't look at any one ministry as being more important or more subservient to others. Mm. Because the reality is the tabernacle, the temple, the priesthood, the apostleship, uh, the first century church, you know, all these moments where the glory of God was made so strong and manifest was done because everyone did, in general, what they were supposed to be doing in those moments. And that's where the glory of God was able to manifest. It wasn't that certain people had, you know, loftier positions and there was only five at the top and everybody was clawing to get those positions, which unfortunately is the case in a lot of our ministries today. And so I say all that just to say that whatever it is that God's called you to do, do it. Do it without abandon uh, or do it with abandon. Like just run toward it with everything that you have um, in the moment that you have. Uh, his calling for your life could change next week. It could change next month. It could change 20 years from now. And that's fine. It's his prerogative. But our part is just to press wholeheartedly into whatever it is that he's set before us now and let the future take care of the future. Let the past take care of the past. But just in the moment you're in right now, let that be your prayer that you would just ask the father and the spirit just to reveal to you. What are you supposed to be doing now? in your current circumstances with the means and the abilities and the network and the connections you have, what does the father want you to do with that? And if we right. do that, I think this will be a much, a much better uh, manifestation of the, the presence and the glory of God to the world. Uh, the body itself will have a witness um, like it hasn't had for 2000 years. Amen. I love that guys. I think that, what's really needed for us is to remember that, you know, what God has set before us, engage with that, be obedient to that, uh, cherish that, make make a good investment with what he has given you. And God is pleased in that. And, you know, I think another thing, like we've been talking about comparison, another thing can happen is we try and put ourselves into the callings of other people and we feel we feel self-condemned because we don't measure up in our mind to what they're doing because we consider what they're doing is more important than what we're doing. But be concerned with yourself. Uh, you know, Peter and, and John, they had these kind of a little bit of a rival, rivalry going on in the scriptures we see. And it was kind of this, you know, well, Peter was concerned. What is he going to do? What about him? You know, and, and Yeshua's like, well, what is it to you? What is it to you? If he stays until I come back and sees that, what is it to you? Don't be concerned with, 
these people next to you. Be concerned with what I've given you. And Peter ended up being used mightily by Yeshua. Because I think he may have learned a lesson there to keep his eyes fixed on Yeshua and what Yeshua had for him. Um, I just want to read this. I saw this one comment um, by Kaelin Helms. And we were said we're called to run the race, but we must let him set the pace for us. If we try to run ahead, we're going to burn out or crash into an obstacle. If we go too slow, we'll often miss out on the blessings that we're prepared according to his timing. Uh, we live on his schedule. Amen. 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 So, yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope this has blessed you. I think it's very important. So please share this video with your friends and like it so that the YouTube algorithm can push it up so more people can see it. And uh, John, um, as we end this off, uh, I'd like to ask, could you please pray for us? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be honored to. All right. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the, the precious gift of your son. Um, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just fill the hearts and the minds of every person who watches this video. Um, for those who are with us here now live and, and those who might see it in the days ahead, Father, that I pray that this would be a useful uh, conversation for anybody who witnesses it, Father. Lord, I speak a blessing over Petey and Christina. I pray, Father, that your spirit would just fill them abundantly. Lord, that you would meet all their needs according to your riches and glory. And Father, I pray that they would just press in to you in all circumstances. I pray, Father, for, for all of your people, for the body worldwide, Father, that we would have a hunger for the things of you and that we would have a distaste for the things of this world that are keeping us full and, Lord, the things that are just breaking us down, Father. I pray, Father, in the authority of Yeshua, that your people would be made whole. I pray for anybody out there who's suffering, Lord. We ask that you would meet them in their needs right now, that your spirit would pour out and minister to them. And Lord, for those who are experiencing joy, Father, I pray that they would understand that it all comes from you and return to you with nothing but gratitude, Father. We praise you for the work you're doing. We love you. Father, we just thank you for all these things. It's in the authority of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you coming on. It's such an honor. And um, guys, I just want to say, um, well, I, I would like you to actually tell everyone how they could find more about your uh, church and uh, your teachings and so forth. Yeah, so we're, our church uh, is in Nashville, Tennessee. It's called Mercy Collective. So it's at mercycollective.org. Um, we actually meet down on the south side of Nashville in Franklin. Um, certainly all who love the Lord and are kind are welcome. Uh, if you don't know the Lord and aren't kind, we'd love to do deliverance. Uh, we can work with you on that. But uh, no, it's, it's a really great community full of people that are just very loving. And we're very blessed to be able to serve there. Um, separately from that, I do have a personal website, uh, johndiff.com. Where, and that's where all of my articles and books and other things tend to live. So um, certainly invite anybody, if it's useful to them, to check either of those things out. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Guys, I've been to his fellowship. It's wonderful. So if you're in the Nashville area, please go check that out. Um, 
I uh, also just want to say, hey, um, we're going to be giving John an offering for giving his time for us here tonight. So if this broadcast has blessed you, um, please consider partnering with us and uh, giving in back into his ministry. And uh, yeah, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys in the next video live uh, next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we'll see you there. Many, many blessings and shalom.